Howdy and welcome to the Tim Lake Bible Study. This is week five, day one of our study of Acts. I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and today we're talking about Acts 12, 1 through 25. Welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us? God, speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to encounter you through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we jump in, I want to encourage you to check out all the resources we have over at 10weekbible.com. We need to know the Bible now more than ever. So it may be your time to start leading a Bible study like the book of Acts. This book of Acts right here, if you're on video, you can see me. I'm holding up this this copy of the book of Acts. Um, This is a great resource to lead in Sunday school classes, in home groups, in Bible studies you can have in your house. It is a great resource to go through material just like this. Um, The church has great need right now for people to know the Bible. So please consider leading a Bible study right now in your home. With that, let's jump into God's word. This is Acts 12, starting in verse 1 from the NIV. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. This is one of the saddest statements in all of the book of Acts to me, right? This is one of the three guys in the Mount of Transfiguration. This is Jesus's innermost circle, you got Peter, James, and John. And here James unceremoniously is killed. He's the first of the 12 apostles in the book of Acts to die. And there's no ceremony. There's no story. It's just King Herod arrests him and kills him. And that's it. That's all there is to it. It, it, it Like this moment, it, it just, it almost, even reading it today, it just almost breaks me. And I imagine it just absolutely devastated the church. It had to have devastated everyone in Jerusalem, the entire church, as the the church heard about this. It must have been crushing. Verse 3, when he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. So this is during Passover. So probably not like the next year after Jesus died. This is several years. Some time has passed here. Many, many years actually has passed, but it's in the same season as when Jesus was crucified. And so the people in Jerusalem, they probably still remember, right? All of the Jews, the Jewish leadership, they remember that this is the time when Jesus was crucified. And and so this is probably a time when the Christians are remembering that and, and, and the the Jews are wanting to stamp this thing out again. And so Herod's wanting to get on the good side of the Jews and they didn't like Herod. They didn't like any of the Herods. And so he's trying to win their favor and, you know, get some political brownie points by killing their enemies, essentially. The Herods were not good people, not, not a good family line. Um, this is par for course for them. Verse four. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. He intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Right, so he's got 16 guys guarding Peter. That's a a detail that's going to be important here in a minute, but why he had 16 people to guard Peter is 
it's beyond me. Maybe he thought that they might actually try to break him out or who knows what the the reason was, right? But it feels like whatever happened with with James happened so fast, the church was taken off guard. Like they didn't even know what to do. And the only reason that Peter wasn't killed immediately is because he's being held in jail over Passover. Herod's not going to kill anybody on Passover because that's going to anger the Jews instead of make them his friends. And so Peter's got a, a couple extra days. And so all of the Christians now in Jerusalem, they gather and they're praying for Peter. They're praying that God would rescue Peter. And they're probably praying at least some kind of around the clock. Like this is this is an intense moment. We're actually going to find out that they're kind of praying kind of around the clock for Peter, right? This is a really, really big deal. They're not just praying fervently, meaning they have a five-minute prayer meeting and disband. No, they are praying big time. Verse six, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. So Peter is in jail and somehow Peter falls asleep. You know, I think if I'm chained up and I mean, maybe he's really tired. Maybe they've even roughed him up a bit. Who knows? But he's he's sitting there and he, he falls asleep. He's somehow at peace knowing that he's about to get, you know, assassinated. He's about to get killed. And so he's getting a good night's sleep and the angel has to kick him to wake him up, right? The angel's like, get up, boy. And so Peter gets up and he thinks he's like having some kind of visionary experience. Like maybe the Lord is, you know, he's going to take me into his kingdom. Maybe I'm dying. Who knows? Peter has no idea what's happening is real life. Now that begs the question is how many other experiences has Peter had where he's having this visionary state where you know, he can't tell the difference between vision and reality anymore. It's happened so many times that he doesn't know that this is really happening, right? He's not pinching himself. It's like, I can't believe this is going on. He thinks all this is some kind of figurative display that the Lord is going to, to show him, right? And he doesn't realize that until he gets outside the prison. Like, he completely escapes. This is a huge, like, the the angel has busted Peter out of prison and now he's out. Verse 10, they passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of the one street, suddenly the angel left him. So they've walked outside of one of the city, like the, the gates to this, the city of Jerusalem. And so Peter gets out there and all of this is happening, right? And then the angel disappears. And so now Peter's like, wait a second, I'm awake. This is really happening. Verse 11, then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. All right, he gets outside the wall and he's like, 
this is for real. Oh my goodness. Like that just happened. The chains fell off and the guards didn't wake up and I'm outside. I mean, all of this, right, is just this swirl in the middle of the night. But now he's like, oh my goodness, that really happened. I know the, the, the angel of the Lord came and saved me. He's like, that was really cool. Verse 12, when, he, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Now see, we're praying in the middle of the night. This is the middle of the night when the angel woke him up and got him out. And so they're all there praying. Now the person, the, the house that he goes to, this is going to be important. Mark, John, who's called Mark, is going to come up several more times in the book of Acts. So keep him in mind. Verse 13, Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door, right? She's, they've been, they're all praying for Peter, right? He's got 16 people guarding him inside the palace, inside the dungeon. All of these things are going on and they know he's there. They're praying that the Lord spares him. And then Peter's at the door. So she freaks out. It's like, we've been praying for Peter. He's at the door. He's at the door. She forgets to open the door for him, right? And so they continue. Verse 15, you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. Now, remember, he knows that they're going to be looking for him. And so he's not going, he wanted to come and tell them, but he didn't want to stay with them, right? Because if all of these Christians are gathered together, he doesn't want Herod or anyone else to think that they busted him out. He didn't want anything bad to come on them. So he goes and he tells them because he knew somehow that they were praying or maybe he even assumed that they were going to be praying. Maybe when James, you know, got put into prison for a moment, they prayed. Maybe after he died, they gathered there to pray. Peter knows somehow they're going to be praying here. And it doesn't seem like Peter knew through like the Holy Spirit they were going to be praying there. He knew where to go. But he's like, I'm not going to stay here because they might come looking for me here. And that would be bad for everyone in this room. Verse 18. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a, a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards in order that they, may, that they be executed. This is very common in those days. If you are a guard of a, of a, a prisoner and that prisoner escapes, it's like your life. You guard him literally with your life. Continuing on. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a god, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. 
but the word of God continued to spread and flourish. I want you to notice there, and put this back up on the screen for those of you who are watching. It says that he was, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and then he died. It doesn't say that he died and was eaten by worms. It says he was struck with something, eaten by worms, and then he died. Let that sink in, right? The Lord is, uh, I mean, Herod was a bad guy in particular, and it says specifically that the, he, this happened because he didn't give honor to God. They let him, you know, call him a God, essentially. And he's like, eh, I'll take it, right? But the, the Lord is, is bringing retribution on those who have attacked his people, um, he is seeking vengeance on behalf of the blood shed of his holy chosen people because of James. Herod is, is going down. And uh, without getting too gory into detail, this is a, a medical thing that can actually happen. Uh, it doesn't happen often, but it can happen. And apparently happened to Herod. It's very, 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 probably one more very painful awful, terrible way to die. And that's exactly how he died. Now, interestingly enough, Josephus tells us a very similar story about Herod's death. Um, there's some other aspects to it, but then in Josephus's uh, works that he wrote, the, the Jewish historian Josephus, he writes about Herod's death as well at this same event. So this, uh, at least the, the story of his death, not exactly for the same reasons why, but um, the story of his death are corroborated by outs, uh, extra biblical information. Verse 25. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now we're going to find out that Mark, uh, John Mark, is actually a relative of Barnabas. So they're taking them with them. So remember, they came to Jerusalem to deliver money from the people of Antioch. So they've been down there for a while, and now they're going back to Antioch, and they decided to take John Mark with them. And again, he's going to come up again in the missionary journeys of, of Paul and Barnabas, and, and he's going to cause a bit of a stir between Paul and Barnabas and eventually cause them to part company over this young man. But for today, that's all we got for the 10-week Bible study. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.